This is The Straight Dope, episode 77. I'm going to talk about being a well-rounded shooter and the purpose and philosophy behind the Riflecraft website with and during a walkthrough of the website so that if you do or don't use it, you kind of understand my mentality and philosophy for why I've kept it simple, why I continue to keep it simple, and where it's going and how I'm going to be pushing more features into the subscription side of it that are going to help people become more well-rounded. And by being more well-rounded, you'll be better at your specific niche. When somebody says well-rounded and you have a specific outlet, it's really easy to go, yeah, right, but the thing that I do is totally awesome and it's awesomer than everyone else. And I think that the idea that you have an outlet is totally awesome. And I think that the outlets that people have are totally awesome, but it's very easy to be trapped into a mindset thinking that the outlet that you do is somehow better. And when you're well-rounded, a lot of opportunities present themselves and you'll be able to perform at all of those if you have that attitude. And there's nothing wrong with being into the niche that you're into, but there's something to be gained from reaching outside of that niche. And you hear about it a lot. In fact, Morgan recently on his latest podcast talked about you know, not knowing what you don't know. And I think that's true. The more you know and the more you grow, the more you realize where the pockets of growth are and the unknowns. And the more that you fill those in, the better you're able to perform in the areas that you want. And you see that when shooters put in time and effort and rounding that stuff out. So I am going to go through that in detail. And then at each level, talk about if I were you, how I would be telling you as somebody that I coached or myself, you know, what's the value in this? And it's always going to circle back to, is it simple, right? Is it straightforward? Because we shouldn't be spending a lot of time doing this stuff. We should be spending a lot of time shooting, right? Or studying or doing something that is going to help us perform, not so much spending a lot of time logging it and looking at posters on the internet or pictures and, and, and arguing about details and stuff like that. Because uh, most of the people that are successful, they don't bother with what everyone else is doing, right? They just go do it. Now, before I do that, I was talking about ammo over at Mile High, and I went over there and they've updated some of the prices of their ammo, and now it's like it's more competitive pricing on some of these uh, lots of ammo that they have. And the Hornady prices are coming down pretty dramatically. So there's 6.5 Creedmoor 143 grain ELDX. That's the ammo that I shot at most hunter matches this year, and it performed very well. Now, standard deviations I talked about and, and being able to troubleshoot, and if you go back to one of the previous podcasts, I talked about my particular uh, assessment value for hunter matches, and for those, I was looking for a standard deviation of 15 or less, and the ELDX Hornady was usually around 15. And so to me, that's satisfactory in terms of standard deviation in order to feel like I could shoot at targets and not miss them because of velocity standard deviations. And so the ELDX lots that I tested, I believe I tested eight different lots and all of those lots satisfied that 15 uh, feet per second standard deviation. And so I can say personally, that some of the lots shot better groups than others because I, you know, I shoot factory ammo and sometimes factory ammo shoots bigger groups and sometimes it shoots smaller groups. Did some tuner testing and sometimes it was able to reduce the side con- sizes of those groups consistently, uh, not 
like what you you know I, I haven't read the new lit's books that kind of I, I, what I gather from people are saying that he hammers on those but I put on tuners and seen a permanent reduction in in overall group size in factory ammo but I've seen a lot of tuners unable to repeat a test where you take a couple shots and you go big to small big to small big to small so I'm still on the fence I've seen I use them from time to time when it just won't go underneath and just putting a tuner on there and whether it's just a mass or whatever you know that's waiting to be seen most of the tests are not repeatable so I'm not sure exactly what's going on but it works when it works and I did that with Creedmoor, the 143 grain ELDX. Now, so that's 36 bucks a box. And 36 bucks a box these days, since prices have gone up, is pretty competitive. So I think that, that that's probably a good way to go. I don't know how it performs hunting because I haven't um, actually shot a living creature with that ammo. But I imagine that, um, I don't know, if, if it didn't do its job, I imagine they probably wouldn't be in business. So, uh, Take it or leave it, that stuff shoots really well. I probably have 2,000 rounds here at home of it. So I've invested my money in that 143 grain ELDX, and there's a lot of it at Mile High available. They've got 6.5 Creedmoor, the 140 grain ELD match, and they're going to be selling that for $39.95, 40 bucks a box. My, my rifles don't particularly care for it, um, so I can't speak too much. I've tested a lot of it, and for some reason, you know, the rifles that I have, just the group size is big enough where I don't... Um, but you might love it, and I know a lot of people love the ELD match, and so that's 40 bucks a box, more or less. 6.5 PRC, 147, that's uh, 44.95 a box, and the 300 PRC, 225 grain ELD match for all of you hunters out there that are just going to go out and hope to bring back hundreds of pounds of meat, that's probably a good choice, and that's forty six ninety five a box. Um, now, I don't, I don't think it's fair anymore these days to compare prices pre-COVID to current, so if you're looking for those ammo, uh, go over to Mile High, and if you do that, uh, tell them you heard about it on, on the Straight Dope podcast. I, I think they'd get a kick out of that. And uh, Randy uh, at Mile High is uh, the owner. And I think his email's Randy at Mile High, which would be pretty cool to, uh, anyway, um, without like going totally crazy. And then uh, sh- uh, like Shad, S-H-A-D at milehighshooting.com. That's the purchasing manager. So you, you might be able to email him and tell him that you heard about it here. Uh, but anyway, I go over there a lot. I, I was recently there when I got these prices because I was picking up two actions. And uh, this has nothing to do with today's podcast, but I will be talking about it in the future. I picked up a left-handed 737 impact, and I picked up one of the new lighter weight hunter cuts with the split rail of impact, and I'll be building two rifles off of those actions for the 2023 shooting season, and I'm excited to talk about that in the future. So check it out. If you go to riflecraft.com and you don't have an account, or if you go to riflecraft.com and you do forward slash log out, it takes you to a kind of a landing page. And that landing page basically just is riflecraft. It's got a little um, circle and a line across the top of the page and then four boxes. On the, on the left, it says the bigger box that says new. If you click on that, what it does is takes you to a login page. And that login page, it kind of, it allows us to not have 
passwords and information about people. So it's more it's it's driven from a privacy content. The guy that the programmer that I use is really big on privacy, and that's one way that we found that keeps it private and it keeps it secure and it keeps it easy for people to not have to remember all that stuff. So you 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 put in your email and it emails it to you. You got to go to your email. When you get it, it comes from data. And, and the, the subject or the title says craft login. So you click that and then you're in. And it should remember you. And if it doesn't, then if you refresh your browser, go through that, it should remember you when you log back in. And then it takes you to a page, basically a profile for new users that has one box that says start here. And then a target, add target uh, box on the bottom right. If you click on the start here, it populates uh, a page that has two targets on it, the craft target that you're used to looking at, and then the positional target that has the five smaller craft looking targets on it. And if you click on either one of those, those are printable files. So whether or not you're a subscriber, you can click that and it'll give you a printable version of those targets so that if you want to print them out and do your own measuring and so on and so forth and, and then shoot them, hopefully, uh, you can do that to either form. And so either one of those targets you can print out and print over and over and over and over again. And then you go to the range, hopefully, and you shoot your positional targets. When you go back in on the add target on the bottom right, click that, and it should populate a big craft target. If you shot the positional one, you st the entering of the bullet marks on this is still on the big target, but you can click on the left side, there's colors for, for the positional designators, and you can enter your targets. Then you hit submit. And it asks you to validate the date and add notes if you want. And then you, you enter that. So you get your baselines. Um, the drag and drop of the target markers, if you just click in the same spot and try to put 12 targets, it won't let you do that. So what I do is I just do 12 clicks, and then I drag the bullet impacts to where I want them to be so I can adjust them. Before you submit it, you can adjust them all you want. I'm not nitpicky, and I don't feel like you guys should either. The, the Ballistic X app where you have to, you know, in micro detail, try to figure out where the limits of your holes are so that you could try to post, like, your world's greatest point one two, you know, two-round group or something like that. That's asking you to be very specific. But the craft stuff, it really doesn't need you to be super, super anal about it. And so I, I just don't, I, I don't think it's going to help you in terms of your marksmanship. So dragging it to the approximate location is good. Um, you know, whether it's a thousandth of an inch to the left or right really isn't going to matter in the big picture because we're talking about shooting at things that are much bigger than the groups that we're shooting at paper most of the time. So you drag and drop that, and it's going to want you to do a couple targets before you start to get a lot of other data. The reason for this is... 12 shots might seem like a lot if you're used to doing three-shot groups or one-shot drills on, but but it doesn't tell us a whole lot of information. But after several targets, we start to see trends and we start, we start to be able to unlock tendencies that shooters have. And so after a few of those rifle craft drills, you start to be able to see the things that are going to point you towards your growth. And that's why the boxes kind of unlock themselves. So what's really important? Well, when you log back in, you can see that start here box every time. And if you click on that, it'll open up your the target printing page. And on the bottom right, there's always the enter the target thing. And what I like about this, the, the whole start of the Riflecraft website and the training mentality was 
shooting paper and seeing that there were shifts, seeing that that the positional groups were all always different than just you know prone or shooting from a bench, and really trying to get to the bottom of what was happening and how do you become more consistent over time? Because the idea of being a well-rounded rifleman isn't making that one shot here and there whenever you want, but rather being consistent and being able to on the fly know what your performance level is and expectations should be. So I was logging. I, I started a group on Facebook, a private group that I invited some friends with that were at least curious enough and shot enough on paper and wanted to talk about details more in a conversation style than, than some of the threads that you see about shooting, which usually turn into arguments and people being rude um, and not able to demonstrate it themselves. I put together a page and we started doing these tests. And then I ended up extending it out to the public to say, hey, look, you know, I want to collect data on shooters, so submit your targets. And people sent me their targets, and I had thousands of targets, tons, that I was entering into the system manually. This was before the site was was up and running. Um, you know, to see where people were and what, what they were doing. And some people, uh, I knew who they were, and a lot of people I didn't. But, but it kind of caught on that, you know, once you start thinking about it and looking on paper, you can learn a lot. And you can also see progress over time. And, and just like some of the sports training and goal training that I've done in terms of reaching those objectives, I like to track things over time. But with paper shooting, I ended up with huge files of paper targets that I had. So after a couple months, I have this massive pile of targets that I had been shooting. And it was really hard to weed through that and make any sense of it. So what I wanted to begin with was simply a way for you to enter a standardized target and track it over time without having a massive pile of paper that you could had to go through and you know like like going through receipts or something like that or through your old tax forms. Um, I wanted something that was digitally uh, able to record and track my shot groups over time. And to me, that was enough in and of, of itself to build the website and have people start using it. And some people do that. Seeing that trend over time and being able to pull up the targets and click on them. And say, okay, what was going on here and what was going on here and keep a note, to me, is extremely valuable because you get to see your trends over time in a record that you're not going to lose or you're not going to create this giant pile of paper. And, and I love that. Now, because I'm interested in numbers, we started to compile uh, pattern recognition software into it. And that's where the craft number came from. It's not an MOA or a mill size of your shooting group. The number is a compilation of statistical markers and trends that the, the algorithms are picking up to see how consistent are you, how repeatable are the things that you're doing, or how much variability is built into it. So it does talk about, or it does take into consideration the size of your group, but it's not only the size of your group, but it's the deviation left, right, up, and down. And how consistent are your deviations left, right, up, and down, and other characteristics that makes the number big, right? And the idea here isn't that the number itself is meaningful other than if it gets smaller over time, you're getting better as a shooter, right? And that concept, I think, needs to be emphasized as something that I really value as important because if you get too in the weeds of a number, and you try to figure out ways to hack the number, you're not thinking necessarily about just your improvement over time, right? If that number goes down, you're getting better as a shooter, period. And so tracking as that craft number decreases in size, the more often you shoot, you can say, I am measurably getting better 
at these four positions in building breaks, right? We're not doing follow-ups. We're just doing build a position, shoot. Now build a different position and shoot. Now build a different position and shoot. And the reason I wanted to do that is regardless of the discipline that you're shooting in, a lot of weight rests in your first shot, right? If you're hunting, if you're doing self-defense, if you're doing offense, I mean, most of the time, if you're in, co or in competition or whatever, that first shot is very important. And so we value the ability to be consistent in how you build a position and shoot. And that's the basis and the foundation of the philosophy of, of rifle craft. Regardless of the discipline, it's very important for you to be consistent. And not only be consistent, but do it in multiple positions. Because, not because the position is important, but because the height variability changes how your fundamentals are applied to the rifle. And a lot of people don't realize that the way that they address and use the rifle changes depending on their body position and the height. And so... Once that light flicks on, people go, oh, man, this is a big deal, and this is going to help whatever my goal is. So I think that's really important. And as you enter those targets, on the right, there's a box that says trend, and you'll be able to see that over time, right, it's, it's, it's left to right. If that line is going from high to low as it goes down and right, that means you're getting better. So whether or not you're tracking the actual number over time, doesn't matter. There's a graph that shows, you know, if it's down sloping to the right, you're getting better as a shooter. If it goes up and down and up and down and up and down, you know, something is inconsistent and it would help to try to find that. Now, to me, that is super duper important. And then the ability to archive and go back and look at targets and say, okay, what's the deal with this? And there's some breakdown and analysis on those targets. But for the most part, just an online way to record those targets to me is super valuable and helpful. And then because a lot of people like to point out that they've been shooting paper for a long time and they don't need all this stuff, like, okay, great, like, rock on. But if you look at people's success levels across the board and all the disciplines, there's more people online that talks about how great and successful they are than there are people at the top of the lists and boards. And so I think that it's really easy to say, well, I don't need anybody's help, um, and I've been doing this, or I'm going to make my own craft thing. It's like, awesome. Rock on. But when you look at numbers and you look at people's uh, shooting records and, and so on and so forth, uh, it's pretty clear that people are not necessarily constantly improving over time. And so that's where these weird things come in. So that's that's the basic rifle craft thing. Now, some people, and, and I know that there's tens of thousands of people that listen to this podcast, and there are um, subscribers like in the hundreds. So there's a huge ratio of people that are listening and not subscribing, which is totally cool, right? I, I'm not, you know, no, no big deal. Now, if you want to support the podcast, subscribing to Riflecraft does that. And nowadays, it's like half a magazine. It's like, it's like the cost of six bullets or something like that. So, so it's pretty cheap to subscribe to Riflecraft. And I wanted to extend opportunity for further analytics. So let's talk about some further analytics that go with the subscribers. Because to me, the base level free version is awesome. To me, that alone changed my shooting and my performance in disciplines that I was struggling in because it allowed me to self-understand itself. But a lot of people can't or aren't motivated to do it on their own. So what are some of the things that I did for myself? That's what we threw in 
to to there. So some of the metrics are are easy to do pattern recognition on, and we were able to link that with some fundamental characteristics. And so there's a reading list for the subscribers. And that reading list, it isn't extremely long, but it identifies some common trends that you have and some common quick fixes that can change some of the things in your trends. And some of those are very easy to fix. And a lot of fixes or real learning doesn't take place overnight. But a lot of the reading stuff are quick fixes that could potentially fix some of your problems overnight. And it's just, uh, hey, did you consider this? Because this has an impact on that. Or, hey, did you consider this? And so there's a reading thing. And it's tailored to the shooter and the trends that they see on their targets. And so your reading is going to be different than your buddy's reading. But that is based on the characteristics of your target and the trends that the algorithms are seeing. So that's there. And then there's a spider chart that has areas for an improvement. And those areas are really pretty simple, right? It takes x-axis, y-axis, group size. Um, you know, you're, you're, sometimes people print different groups on the positions or, or they have a flaw that creates what, what a lot of shooters call a flyer. Is basically you screw up enough every once in a while to throw a shot one way or another, and it's a fundamental thing that you're doing. And when you identify those flyers, you un- you can identify what it is in your shot process that occasionally uh, causes those those shots to grow out. So anyway, th- that spider chart is areas for improvement, but it's areas for you to start thinking about. Okay, what am I doing that influences the way that my groups are? Because there are patterns to that, and I think that that needs to be pretty simple because the work has to be done at the range, right? It's not going to be fixed by going online and, and, or it's really not going to be fixed by listening to a podcast or listening to a book, right? It's going to be fixed by either taking a class or investing in you going to the range and really troubleshooting. Why am I doing this? And so this gives you at least an area to start looking in, but it might not pinpoint what the problem is, but it pinpoints what the effect is. So when you see that, you could say, what did I do to cause that? When you're thinking like that, it allows you to troubleshoot back and fix a lot of your own problems. Now, two cool things that we've added recently are the bracket estimator. The bracket estimator is what a lot of people kind of mistakenly refer to as their craft number, but because we're always aiming at the center of a target or we're always aiming at something, the point of aim needs to be considered when we're shooting. And I get that there are disciplines where you shoot a group and it doesn't matter how far it is from the point of aim, but with us, practical and field rifle, you're always aiming at something. So it really doesn't matter if you drill a perfect, you know, one inch group down and left of the target that you're aiming at, because it was in the dirt down and left of the target that you're aiming at. Nobody's going to be impressed by your one inch group at a thousand yards if none of those bullets hit the target. So at Riflecraft and my philosophy in general is like, we need to diagnose first the patterns that we see and first the craft numbers. That's why it goes back to the beginning. Like first, let's bring that big group smaller. It helps to know what the ultimate size of your system can produce. Like if your system is capable of shooting, you know, five or 10 shot group, that's half an inch. That's a good reference to have. But if you're shooting three inches, your half inch gun doesn't make much difference anymore because we got two and a half inches of growth before we have to start worrying about your system. Now, the bracket estimator basically allows you to create a subtension left, right, up, and down that if a target is bigger than that bracket, then the hit probability for you is, is going to be 
higher. It, you know, like let's say 99.7%. Now, if it's exactly the bracket size, the wind call has to be perfect. And we know that that's not the case, right? Most people are reading wind to three plus miles an hour, even if they're good. Some people are reading at five miles an hour. So as we get out from 100 yards, not only is it your shooter bracket, but it is a combination of shooter bracket, wind speed, ballistics, and so on and so forth. So the bracket estimator is helpful, though, because it allows you to figure out with your subtensions on your reticle, you know, am I going to hit this target if I do everything right? And to me, that is another very important thing that you're reminded of at shooting these paper drills at 100, and that's your capability as a rifleman and whether or not you're training from a place of impacts or whether you're gambling. And I'm, I'm, I say this a lot, but I'm going to kind of restate what I mean by the gambling versus the impacts, right? Now, I can shoot about one inch from all my positions all the time. So if I'm shooting one inch at 100 yards from any position all the time, if I put up an IPSC or a man-sized target at 100 yards, I feel pretty comfortable saying that I'm going to hit that target when I shoot at it. And so I'm going to say that's like 99.7. Even if somebody was standing next to me with a fat bastard break and they shot right before I shot, if I flinched, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I would still hit an IPSC target at 100 yards. In fact, offhand, I can shoot and hit an IPSC target at 100 yards. So I feel really good about saying that I'm going to hit it. Now, if I'm training, I know that if something happens and I miss that target, it wasn't my fundamentals, right? Let's say I go out and I take the opportunity because there's a hurricane to go shoot in 100 mile an hour winds. If my wind call is not right, it could blow it off the target. Cool. Why did I miss the IPSC in 100 mile an hour winds? I could say it was the wind because outside of those conditions, I'm going to hit that target. Now, IPSC's really huge, but what happens when the target gets smaller and smaller and smaller? If it's 3M away, I'm still comfortable saying I'm going to hit it all the time. Maybe not offhand, but off of a bag in any position, I'm going to shoot and I'm going to hit that 3MOA target all the time at 100 yards. If I miss it, it was something other than my fundamentals, right? My scope, my, you know, something else is wrong because I know that my shooting is, my bracket is smaller than the target by a pretty wide margin. And I can say that comfortably to, you know, I mean, if I'm shooting all the time around an inch, I'm not comfortable saying I'll hit an inch at 100 yards all the time, but I have an inch and a half steel that I put at 200 yards, and most of the time, I hit it, you know, first first try. It, it, my hit percentage at the 200-yard inch and a half steel is over 90%, and there's not a huge influence of wind, so that's a positional thing. But occasionally, you know, I, I, I occasionally I miss it. So it's definitely one of those, one of those things that... Um, that factors in there. But for us as shooters, we need to understand our bracket because we need to understand whether our hit percentage probability, if we do everything right, is in that 99.7 zone or less. Because if it's less, we're gambling. And what I mean by gambling is, even if you do everything right within the parameters of your shooting, you could miss it. But if you miss it, how do you know if it was you or the wind? You don't, right? And 99% of the time, the shooter's going to say it was the wind if it was off to a side. But that's not necessarily the case. So how do you know what to do in terms of correcting? Well, you don't. You can gamble, and you can hold left or right 
Or you could do the same thing, but you can't guarantee that you're going to hit it then either. It's like flipping a coin, right? It's 50% probability that you'll get heads. And it might be 50% probability, and every single time it's that same. You could hit it 10 times in a row. What's the probability that I'm going to get heads my next coin toss, right? 50%. It's always 50%. So you could say, well, if I have an 80% hit probability, does that mean I'm going to hit it? No. Doesn't it means eighty percent of your shots will, you know, most likely. But if you take a shot each time, it's eighty percent. So if you hit eight in a row, does that mean your next one's going to be a miss? No, it means next time it's eighty percent, just like before. And I don't like that. So I like to shoot at and train off of targets that are at my ninety nine point seven value because I at distance I don't learn if I miss if it's not. Anyway, so that's a good bracket estimator. If you're going to put up steel, make that steel bigger than your bracket and account for your ability to read wind, right? So if your bracket, let's say, is half a mil and your wind reading is, let's say, four miles an hour, you're going to want like a nine-tenth to a one mil target at distance for you to do wind practice on and know whether that was from wind or not. Because within your plus and minus, you know, there's a good chance you're going to, you know, I mean, if you miss, you know it was your wind reading, right? Because your bracket's within it, but your wind reading ability is what's being measured. But if it's small, if, you're, if your shooter bracket is half a mil and you're shooting at a half a mil target at distance, your wind reading has to be under a mile an hour for you to hit it all the time, right? Even less than that. Because even one mile an hour variance is going to cause like a tenth, at least a tenth of variance for most of our, sh- our shots at a distance, you know, in your gun number kind of distances. So like, you know, four to 900 yards, um, you know, there's going to be variability left and right on top of your wind call. Now, does that not, that doesn't mean that at 600 yards, you can't print a five shot, one inch group, right? Because if you know the wind speed, you're going to shoot to the group size that you're shooting at. The problem is, if the wind switches, that's going to open up. And so if it's constant wind, you can shoot a tiny group. I could shoot my 22 LR at 1,000 yards and print a 1 MOA group if there's zero wind variability. But if there's any wind variability, that group's not going to be small. And so that's the thing. Like, can I shoot a 22 LR to 1,000? Absolutely but the probability is very low. Can I shoot my 6.5 Creedmoor to 1,000? Absolutely. The probability is very high. And so even though anything could hit anything, you know, within reason, probability-wise, it's a different story, right? If you take 100 shots, you're going to see a much better representation of your hit probability with wind. And so that bracket estimator is very good. And then we added another feature called the wind distance tool where you're able to add on top of your shooter bracket wind variability and distance to determine how big the target or what your hit probability would be considering those features. And that's extremely valuable for hunters because it's saying, look, let's make an informed decision. And you input honest inputs, and it will tell you your bracket and how your bracket increases with distance and how that increases based on your shooting characteristics. Now, you might not be shooting from all four positions, and so you might want to isolate out 
um, you might want to isolate out one position. If you say, I'm only hunting prone, then create a rifle profile, like your hunting profile, and only enter prone targets, and then use the bracket estimator on that. And it should help guide you to a maximum ethical range. Now, I'm not saying that you want to shoot at that range exactly. Let's say it's, you, know, you figure out 500 yards is your maximum ethical range. I, I wouldn't advise you to shoot at 500 yards, but inside of five, now you should be considering, you know, can I, you know, is this within the parameters that I set? To me, using those numbers to make educated and informed decisions, or at least help guide your thinking, is extremely valuable. And I think that that could be used towards competitions too. If somebody said, this competition is going to be all two MOA targets. You could go in there and do your bracket and wind estimator and figure out what the likelihood or the probability of your hits are going to be and say, okay, well, you know, if I have 80% hit probability, how does 80% shake out, you know, at a competition? You say, oh, that's above mid-pack. Maybe it's worth it to go. Maybe it's not. If you, if you want to go and try to be competitive, you know, maybe it's not competitive. Maybe it is. I don't know what the outlet that you're going to, but it will help make informed decisions. And so we added that to the subscriber level. Now, we are working on, and, and, and hopefully pretty soon we'll be doing a wind training tool in there, which will be really cool and fun. It'll be, um, but, but I don't want to talk too much about that. But that's the subscriber level really, you know, on top of just the base, like enter your targets, the bracket estimator and the wind distance tool, they're simple but they're incredibly valuable at teaching you where your limits are and where your limits are. And if you want them to be better, what are the criteria that you're going to need to meet? Do you need to bring your group size down? Maybe. Do you need to bring your wind reading down? Maybe. Which one would is easier to bring down than the other? I don't know. But you could ask that for yourself. You could do the tests and determine it. You could go take a class. You could come to the unconventional skill assessment. There's a lot of things that you could do, but it starts with knowing where you are as a shooter and what areas of improvement do you need to focus on for you, not necessarily what somebody else is doing. And I think that it starts with doing a lot of shots at the same target because it gives you a good blueprint for size. What I don't like about the one-shot drills aren't that they're not fun because they're fun. It seems really engaging. You're shooting one shot at a target, but what you need to do after, if you do do one-shot things, is superimpose all of them on top of one another to show the statistical probability because it's very easy for us as humans to lean towards that luck factor, right? Casinos are still in business. Lottery's still in business. You know, street hustlers are still in business because we're really easy to trick because of a chance, even if that chance is small. And so you say, oh, I hit the dot. I hit the dot. And then you look past the 10 that you missed. And then you hit the dot. And you hit the dot. And you look past the next five that you missed. And if you superimpose them, and that's why we do 12 shots minimum and the craft drill, because it gives you, yeah, it, it's kind of a kick in the nuts, but it gives you a better glimpse at, over time, a better idea of probability, a better idea of minimum group size. Absolutely, if you shoot three rounds, your group's going to be smaller than 12. But most of the things we do require a large number of shots and a large number of building breaks. And this is an honest assessment of where are you? And I guarantee the higher performing shooters have smaller craft brackets, have smaller craft numbers. And sometimes you don't see that unless you're looking at all of those shots superimposed. So the craft system to me makes a lot of sense. And if, and if you want to do other systems, knock yourself out. 
but it's a glimpse at where you are. It's a blueprint or a health check or a, a physical or whatever. And if you want a super detailed one, the unconventional skill assessment that I run or the one-on-one coaching that I do, I break that down and now it's 250 rounds and I could tell you precisely where your strengths and weaknesses are so you could train those exclusively. But that comes at a cost because it's, it's, you know, it requires a lot of time and effort if you want to grow. But here, you're getting it for pennies on the dollar, basically, by having it put in your face. I want it to be simple because you don't need bells and whistles, right? You, don't, you just need something to show you, here's where you're at. Now go back to the range or go back to your dry fire. Go back to something. But don't worry. It's not going to fix you. It's going to show you what you need to fix for you. And that mentality, I think, is what people who succeed naturally gravitate towards. And hopefully you understand a little bit about the simplicity of the website and why it's so important to make sure it's simple so that you don't get you know, trapped by you know, something that looks sexy but doesn't do anything for you. Right, because you know the internet's full of that kind of stuff. I, we don't need to add more of the same, uh, that kind of stuff. That's also why I don't want to have a forum or a way for everybody to chat about their craft stuff. Because a lot of people have a lot of ideas that aren't necessarily helpful, useful, or of any benefit to anyone. And there's plenty of outlets that we could go read that stuff elsewhere and me adding more forums of the same is not going to happen. I just don't like it. If you want to ask questions to me, email me, message me, call me, text me, but I don't really want to open up everybody throwing in their two cents about rifle craft and how shooting paper. I want you to do it for you. We will be putting up not a leaderboard, but a way for you to see where you stand amongst the community, just for you. It's private. Nobody else is going to see it. Nobody else is going to see your numbers, your data. That's all private. In fact, it's hard for me to access that stuff. So it's going to be impossible for other people. But for you on your portal, in the subscription form, it's going to say, you know, you are above average or you're at the 80th percentile of rifle craft targets that are entered. Now, we don't know how that is to the populace, but I could probably feel comfortable saying that People that use Riflecraft care about their shooting, and they're probably above average because of that. People that spend time shooting and spend time practicing get better, and they're better than people that don't do that. And we saw that at the international shooting competition, that just being Americans and having the freedom to go shoot every weekend, a lot of people that went to that match, they probably shoot three, four, five times a week. That amount of practice obviously is going to make people better. And some countries, they can't shoot that often. That doesn't mean they don't have the potential or the skill or, the, you know, the, the next time it's going to probably be a much harder competition. But you got to see when people are able to practice more, they get better. People that care enough to enter their paper targets, uh, you know, doing that once, that's probably more shooting than a hunter does in a year. And you're entering these targets multiple times. You're naturally going to be a more um, accurate and capable rifleman than the population at large. So always keep that in mind that, you know, if you go to a competition and you get last place, you're probably still in the top 10% of shooters in the country. And that's easy to forget. But you care about your shooting. All that you need to see is that what you're doing to train is causing a downward slope which means you're getting better because your rifle craft number is getting better. Your bracket's getting smaller. 
And as your bracket gets smaller, you're able to hit, you know, similar size targets farther and farther out. And so your capability as a rifleman is directly proportional to the size of those groups that you start with at 100. And that's why I think if the only thing I could ever do is shoot paper at 100, I would always choose that over just shooting steel at distance um, because it tells you exactly your capabilities. The only thing you don't get is wind. But the smaller your consistent groups are at 100, the more you could be off by wind and still hit the damn target. There's huge advantages to training paper. There's huge advantages to tracking your performance. And it's fun to, to do that and enter it in on the website. Now, we're constantly adding to the site. The site's going to have some massive, incredible additions to it. But that's why it's there, and I think that those are extremely valuable. And if you spent a year doing this, I can't see how you couldn't accomplish your goal. I think anybody could, you know, if they dedicated a year, win a national match by doing just this and just 100-yard paperwork. But, you know, it's whether you could do that and you're willing to do that. And then uh, if you want to, support support the site, which is pretty cool. Now, another thing uh, that's unrelated, but it's still supporting the site, is this podcast is everywhere. And I noticed that uh, the podcast doesn't have a ton of reviews. It has like 50 on Apple or something like that. And so I wanted to make sure that I didn't forget to ask you guys, if you like the podcast, obviously you can support it. You can go to AccuFireTech.com. Dot com and you can get one of their scopes. You could, you know, call me up. You could do whatever. But one thing that you can do that's absolutely free, if you listen to the podcast, and I know so many thousands of you are listening to this podcast, please go give it a review and a rating and, and write something down about how you've benefited from it if you have. Uh, you don't have to. I mean, it, it's cool when you see positive reviews because it helps encourage this and it keeps it coming out. But that's something that, that I haven't mentioned, but it's really helpful. If you go rate it, and you go review it, and you make a comment, that will really help the podcast. And hopefully it'll help Riflecraft, and hopefully it'll help the introduction of things that need to take place for bigger and better projects to unfold. Because obviously, you know, contacts in the industry and money is what hold back some of these future developments. And I feel like the more you could do to like, subscribe, share, and help promote the podcast, Riflecraft, Gun Around the Sun on Instagram, the more we're going to be able to do fun and bigger and badder and better projects. So uh, I guess that's my final request today to you is to please uh, go give it a rating. And if you want to, write something down and share it with your friends and... Um, all that stuff, and then go hit the range and make sure you're focusing on your fundamentals. And until next time, I'll 